And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> when you hear the trippy music on MutinyRadio.fm, you always know what time it is. It's two o'clock on a Wednesday, which means it's time for some. Call me Tim. Dang it. I try to time it out where there's this thing that goes... There it is. There it is. Some call me Tim. All right. Special guest today in the house, Jason Herbert. Hello. How do we know each other? We don't. We don't. That's the thing. We We just became friends on Facebook today. We did. I found out that Susie Vincent is a friend in common, though. Yes. So we've got that. So then we've got that. So you're so you're also a comedian. I am. Do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> so I I be, you know, I believe that there was a man named possibly named Jesus Ten. who did come out of the woodwork and stand <laughs> on a street <laughs> corner and proselytize. But he, but but, he was a carpenter. He was I believe that he was, you know, the given son of the Christian God who saved humanity. I think they may have embellished a little bit there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, all every Jewish mother thinks her son is is is, is God. I know. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of works out. It is. It does. It, for for people. Italian mothers too. They all oh, think they their sons think, are. Well, there you go. I am. I have a lot of respect for the Italian grandmas that wear black for like years till they till they die themselves. Yeah, yeah, they're in mourning forever. It's a, it makes life easy though, right? Like your husband dies and then that's it. You know what you're wearing every day. And then you can you eat stress. as much pasta as you want yeah, without yeah. having to worry about it ever again. Because <laughs> no one gets to see the nether region. No one sees when your stomach sort of falls over uh, your vagina. No one gets to see that point because no one sees you again ever. You just no, don't even again. exist it's as a... locked up. Locked up. It's like, it's like a chastity belt with black clothes right. on. Right. <laughs> exactly. Could you imagine though if it was like... like a story of like Sophia Loren being like a very hot Italian widower who somebody seduces and she's like throws off the black. I feel like that could be a movie. A Fellini, like Fellini probably made a movie about that I at hope some so. point in his life. Yeah, what a pity. I wonder if like when really beautiful women's husbands die when they're young, all the other guys are like, oh. I think that they probably had sex with them anyways. Like we'll never see her in a bathing suit again. <laughs> special Italian grandmother bathing suit, like this weird long black dress. Uh, 
So do you have any like religious holdings in yourself? Are you like a, you consider yourself a spiritual person when you raised a specific way that, you know, I, it's, that's a good question. I consider myself a spiritual person. I don't use the word religious cause it's, it's always tied to some, an organization of some uh-huh, kind. Uh-huh. Um, my, my dad was, I don't know what he was as a child, probably like Presbyterian or Protestant. Okay. My mom was Catholic Ooh. From, in, from Brooklyn. Um, which is why she didn't want to raise my sister and I Catholic because right. she did the whole Catholic school thing. Right. She was hit by a lot of rulers, yeah. a lot of mean. And nuns. that always goes one way or the other. Either you become devoutly Catholic or you stop being Catholic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? There isn't a lot of middle ground there. So my sister and I went to it was a Presbyterian church. Okay. I went through up to confirmation, and then I think that might have been the last time I attended. Thirteen. Twelve. Thirteen. Twelve. Mm-hmm. Got confirmation. I didn't want to. I did it for so my grandmother could see me do it. And is, is, is was confirmation when you take your first communion? Well, they don't have communion in a Presbyterian church. Not this, oh, at least not okay. the same way as like the Catholic Church does. Right. They must have some kind of thing. I don't remember very well. Yeah. But you go through the like CCD type classes. Right, right. You take you get your catechisms. Yeah. God is a spirit and does not have a body like a man or yeah. whatever they make you memorize. And I was always the one asking our poor pastor like the provocative questions. Uh, which and I do remember him him coming over to our house one day not on a Sunday to sit down and talk with me during this process <gasps> to like ask answer the questions because I was like disrupting wow the class he was a very nice guy he, you were just I was the same way but I was church. just you know an angry kid and it was like seven days doesn't seem long enough it was the only good answer I've ever gotten he said well no it never says how long the days were and I was like shit got me there man yeah yeah god, who knows what a god day is yeah who yeah. knows what it is well and that's why uh, that's why it's so stupid when the the naysayers of um, you know they don't believe in the like Mike Pence like the vice president doesn't doesn't believe in, in dinosaurs or that dinosaurs ex- are a dinosaur bones are like some kind of like farce that was created because so if the if the world if the Bible is truly exists right. or whatever it'd be like the world is only four thousand years old yeah. which makes no sense because dinosaurs lived hundreds of millions of years ago so there's like a cognitive dissonance I think with a lot of I didn't know he was one of those people that that has that screwed up timeline where he right. takes things super literally mm-hmm. that's terrifying isn't it it is terrifying to be able to deny well denying global evidence. warming that too that's they both are global warming naysayers only because I think you can make more money when you don't give a shit about the environment oh yeah you can make a ton of money if you don't care right. Right. Absolutely. Just just put pollute it. But I feel like, you know, denying climate change is it's annoying talking to those people, but I've met other people who don't believe in dinosaurs. I've even met people that went so far as to say that like it's like the moon landing, it's like government conspiracy. Right. They ah. buried the bones out there yes, to dig I've them heard up. This too. And you know, you ask them about carbon dating, and to them every it's all a big conspiratorial all, right. lie. Sure. And I just that I seethe with anger when I meet those people mm-hmm. because I don't know how you can possibly be that ignorant. And I, I see same thing, seething with anger, uh, because they're those that are part of the religion and they're clinging so tightly to these strictures that make them like moral people in quotations. Whereas some, it's like, but they can fuck the environment over and that's fine. I'm like, but that's a moral question to me is like screwing over other people to make more money, but then calling yourself highly religious or like our, what's happening in our government right now. They're making a lot of decisions that seem based off of this strange morality against yeah. like, it's like, I no more abortion. And even 45, I won't call him by his name. 45 even said that 
women should have who have abortions should be punished. I know. Isn't that... And I'm like, what morality are you standing on? Yeah. Like, he sees women as objects anyway, so what the fuck does he care about an abortion? God knows how many abortions he's secretly paid for in his life. Absolutely. Well, and because... I'm with- just going to say, Ivanka's definitely had... I'm from New York. Like, I know those, those girls, like, she's probably had three or four good ones before <sighs> she met Jared. I, I'm, I mean, I've, I've only had two abortions in my life, but I mean, one was when I was 20 and one when I was 40 and it was both like, I was in a committed relationship at both times with different people. And the first one ended up, he ended up becoming my husband, but I was 20 years old. We were in college. Like I was a junior in college. I was not going to have a babe, even though we ended up getting married years in the future. We're divorced now, but having that baby would have been the wrong wrong choice for, for everybody for yeah. everybody for me for my now husband for all of us everything it would have been bad and the same thing if when i was 40 and, I, and i'm still i'm still with my boyfriend and he's amazing and i love him to death but if we had a two-year-old right now i know we probably wouldn't be together but i wouldn't be doing that there's so much it would have been terrible to have i mean, and I was, I'm, I get to make that educated decision about my life and like how morality exists for me. But now with all that stuff in the government, it's very, very scary. Now, I wonder how many of, you know, those members of Congress or just people in general who feel that way, men in general, have had vasectomies in their lives. Oh, yeah. And feel like, but they, if they stop it there, it's like, that's okay. They have sovereignty over their body. They can right, do what they want. Right, but then it's women are vessels, and that's that's their whole thing. Well, and well, it's that's all they are. That's the new. They they're trying to pass a law in Indiana that requires the men to sign off on the abortion. I know, I know. I read that. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Because women don't have. And then the guy even there was a quote about, well, women are just hosts. And I'm like, yeah, hosts for your dick. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? And hosts for a baby. Like, that's all we are is just sort of this big vessel that walks around and waits to be filled by babies or dicks. Yeah. That's the wall. You know, that's it. It's just, it was. And very... at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at the three major, you know, you look at Christianity, you look at Judaism, you look at Islam. If you just kind of boil them all down, it's all the same thing. Absolutely. Be, a, be an good person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. I know right now with, you know, what is it? What is it called? Radical Islamic terror being so... They're like, it preaches violence. Actually, Islam doesn't preach violence. Right. You know, the same way Christianity and Judaism don't preach violence, yet... I mean, look at the Crusades. You right, want to tell exactly. me Christians aren't violent? Right. And, you know, just look at what's going on in the Middle East. Like, you're going to tell me that Jews aren't violent, too? And, Everyone's and violent. the Nazis ran under... They were they were Christians. Oh, probably very good Christians, right? right. I mean, they... There, they were, they were like, they were like, no Jews, but we're Christians, and it's fine, yeah. even though Judaism and Christianity, is, they share the same book, the the Old Testament. Yeah. Everyone believes in it, yeah. like even and but the, the silly thing but about the Jews the, didn't get the new, the updated version to right. add on, so they're where they're Jesus out. is really nice and and everything's, yeah, I that's so weird to me that that that's a, that's a crux that people like like well the Jews are this way and it's like well it's. It's really, really, they just, you know, they really, they're better with family. They think more about community and I don't know. You know, it's like, it's something when, once they decided to take morality and then box it up with a set of rules Mm -hmm. to differentiate themselves from someone else, then someone else needed to make their own little box. And it's sort of, once you do that, that's where the, and I don't mean corruption in like, 
I mean, we could get into the Vatican and all of that, but like, <laughs> that's where you, the the morality gets corrupted into. That's where it starts to become cultish to me. You know, I mean, if you look at it, everything as a cult, and I don't just sure, mean religion. Sure, sure, any, sure. any group of people that decide to abide by the same principles, that's it's a cult. And there are good sure. ones and there are bad ones. There are crazy ones that drink poison Kool-Aid in the desert, you know, right. and there are... So would you say that, Burning Man Burning Man people are there in a cult? Burning sure. Man's a cult. Yeah, that's a cult. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, stand-up comedians are a cult. You oh, put a bunch wow. of us in a room. I, I, absolutely. We, you have, know we have different thoughts and rules than regular right. people. I mean, comedians... If you're in a room full of comedians, we all kind of have a mutual understanding that if someone gets up on stage and they're saying something to be funny, even if they're saying it about you and they're pointing out something that maybe makes you makes you uncomfortable, well, like more often than not, it's not coming from a place of hatred. It's our goal here is to push each other to places that are uncomfortable. But if you right. walked into a restaurant, you're out to dinner with you know your in-laws and you decide you're gonna go off on your brother-in-law's you know, choice of shirt, which might be like hilarious. Like right. that's not acceptable there. Right, 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 right. Like I and I forget sometimes too. I'll be on the bus and I'll just be talking about you know, and I'll I'll use the words that I use. I I say like cunty a lot. I use <laughs> like I I swear a lot and I'll use and I forget like oh my god the context. I'm oops I'm on the bus, but I, I do I interact with comedians differently than with normal people. Definitely, you can yeah. There's a different sort of. There are different sets of rules. It's a different set. It's yeah. just it's a different set of like rules and understanding. Comedians are a cult, absolutely, and and there's a lot of meetings at a lot of different bars. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They all congregate. They all congregate at certain, congregate places at certain, certain times. Yeah, just and, like church. You know, in, in you know open mics, they pass a hat because right. no yeah. one's getting paid, so they right. need to keep it going. Right. And there's certain rules you don't break. Like you would never, unless the host says it's okay, you would never start your own list just because they're not there yet. Oh no! You don't like, start. You just don't. It's just. I mean, unless they. That's say, our, like one of our commandments, I guess. Unless they like. explicitly say, "Hey, if someone gets there early, they can start the list." Right. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I've I've gone to open mics where someone starts a list, or it, like even at Brainwash, and I've hosted Brainwash, and I'll come in and they'll have start, and I'll be like, "No." Yeah, like, no, fuck you don't your do list. that. Fuck your list. Like, fuck there's your a, list. There's a real list here. There's a real list. You can't start your own list. Yeah, what are you doing? But look at that. That's, I mean, that's how Lutherans got started. Martin Luther was like, you know, I'm going to start my own list. And they were like, no, fuck you. You can't start your own list. You're out. And he was like, then I'm going to go do my own open mic over here. We're going to be right, fine. Right, right. And that's so funny about Christianity that there's so many different denominations, you know. There's the Unitarians and the Presbyterians and the, you know, the Lutherans and the, there's tons because of the that, Calvinists and Yeah, the, you know, how do you get that many different, you know, factions out of, yeah. let's all just be good people. Well, and if you look back in the book of Acts in the Bible, um, when the very first churches were, were formed, they were socialist entities. And in fact, one of the first um, forms of fascism that happened <laughs> was in in a church meeting they it was when the new church had, it had just formed and they told everybody take all your money and give it to us we're going to share it amongst everybody equally like good marxists and this one guy and his wife they sold a piece of land but they said you know we're not going to tell the church about this we're just going to keep it right and so the church calls in the man and they say, hey, did you sell this piece of land? And he goes, no. And he goes, they go, oh, really? You're lying. And then it says in the Bible that God struck him down. 
Now, I think it was the people in the church that struck him down. Well, they needed a but, cover story. But they said it was God, right? So God miraculously comes down. and so. We, but it's a crazy part of the Bible because it's basically saying, we're such hardcore Marxists. If you're not a hardcore Marxist, God will kill you. So then they bring in the wife and they say, hey, did you sell the land? And she goes, no. And they're like, just like your husband, you are a liar. And then God strikes her down too. So the two people that don't share in the socialist ideals of the very first early church were killed. And then it's so funny to me because now what we're dealing with these one percenters and what's happening with their religious morality and what they're inflicting on us as Americans, they are so scared of socialism and Marxism yet the very precepts, the Bible that they, I'm like, do you guys not know this passage in Acts about socialism and you guys are all greedy fucks? So. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is, you know, the church was the center of help in in people's lives. And, you know, now you've got a bunch of people running around, you know, quoting scripture. And at the same time, you know, not one of them has said anything about socialized healthcare. Meanwhile, I guarantee you, if you took a, a poll of, we'll stick with the Christians since that's who seems to make up Congress, you know, in our country, you take a poll of priests and pastors and just go through all the Christian denominations who supports socialized health care. I bet you it would be, I don't want to say 100% because that's too definitive, right. but I bet you well over 90% would be supportive of socialized health care. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because churches are supposed to help people. Right. But, you know, and they're not they're not heavily invested in, you know, the health insurance marketplace. So, well, I mean, I guess they, they well, the ones who are these are these are interesting. You know, do you know about the Mormons? I know about the Mormons mostly from watching Big Love. Oh, OK. So and they talk about it in that, too. So Mormons have to tithe 20 percent of their paycheck and they have to because the church has accountants. Well, they're way more culty, I think. They're way more culty, but than, the, than you know, yeah. other ones. So the church has accountants, and they have to tithe twenty percent, and that's how they get a temple recommend. So temple recommend is like, let's say that you buy a Chipotle. Right. Everybody at your church will now go to your Chipotle because you have a temple recommend. Oh. But the okay. only way to get a temple recommend is to give twenty percent of your income to the church. Gotcha. So that's how. So it's why a kickback keep, system. It's a kickback system. So that's why they keep having kids, and that's. But the interesting thing too is that they believe that if you're a good Mormon, when you die, uh, you get your own planet. I know. Yeah. Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that wild? And you've got to. Po- isn't that why they have so many? You have to yeah, populate. You have to populate your, your, your planet. But then you're stuck on a planet with your family. Like, where does it? That sounds horrible. I mean, anyone who's ever been to a Sunday dinner table and you're like, this is the, this is your eternity. You'd be like, no, thanks. No, thanks. I need some more, you know, some more choice in that. Yeah. So, um, you believe in, uh, you believe in spacey things like that? Aliens, conspiracy theories? I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. No, I think, you know, I definitely don't think that the moon landing, the dinosaurs, none of that is a conspiracy. Like, so the moon landing is real. You believe the moon... La- the, we I, had last I week a guy... I firmly believe the moon landing is real. Last week we had Warhol Kaufman on and he firmly... One of his main beliefs that he believes is that the moon landing was fake. That's his main thing. That's so... How old is he? Is he, was he around when they landed on the moon? No, no, no. He's like 30. See, I've... That's so funny because I know more people under the age of 40 who don't believe in dinosaurs and the moon landing than I do people who like watched it on television. Right. And I just don't under like a, what would be the purpose of 
I mean, I guess they'd say what to inflate the NASA budget, which is just right. billionaires creating a fake business for themselves. Then why stage a movie? There must have been a simpler thing they could have done. Well, so his argument was that when John F. Kennedy in 60 or whatever said, because of the Russian space race, said, we're going to land on the moon. He was just saying things just because he was like, of course we can do it. But he didn't have anything to back it up. There was no NASA. It was done. So because he put that out there and then was, you know, murdered, um, the NASA thing was like, we've got to do it in the legacy of JFK and we're going to make this happen. And so the theory behind it is that they couldn't make it happen, but they had to keep the ego of America strong. Okay. By So the, the main thing that he said is that it wasn't just the actual footage. It was the footage projected onto something and then filmed. They filmed the projection. So why would they film the projection? I've heard some people say that, it, oh, you got to look at the shadows and they don't make sense. And this is all, I've never heard this from anyone who's a mathematician, a scientist. Right. You know, anyone who could do, no one who can actually lay down on paper the numbers and say, look. If this is the time of day they supposedly landed, here's where the sun would have been in orbit on that day. And here's it. Like, give me some, con I mean, sure. give me evidence and I'll believe anything if it makes sense. Right. Sure. But so moon landing. So anyways, that's funny that you're like, because I also was listening to him last week and I'm like, oh, all right, okay. But I can't believe the moon landing. How? Why? Why would we? What do we? Well, then that's the thing. Why haven't we colonized the moon yet? Because of the air issue. I think logistic. Well, there's no water on the moon. There's no water on the moon. Right. We would have to be able to create water at least out of. Right. But in order to create water, you need hydrogen and oxygen. So you need some semblance of an atmosphere. Sure. And the moon has zero atmosphere, no atmosphere. and no, no terrestrial water. Right. So tell that kid. So that's to suck why it. Mars that's is better because it actually has, even though it's not a good atmosphere for us, it, there's still an atmosphere. There is an atmosphere. It's not like ideal for humans breathing. And I'm I'm pretty sure there's it's a it's a lot of hydrogen in the atmosphere. Ah, so then you could take the hydrogen. And there's a little bit of gravity, mm. which significantly helps. Gotcha. But Venus is too close to the sun; we'd burn up. It's like 900 degrees. Right. But Mars is too far away. It's too cold. Well, Mars, because of its thin atmosphere, like the Moon, is either too cold or too hot. Mm. So we'd need to figure out a way to do it where we could. And there's also the radioactivity from all, you know, from the rays from the sun because it does, we don't, they don't have an atmosphere like earth that shields us from it. Oh, right. Which is why Except we need to build structures that could protect us or ideally find places subterranean on Mars where oh. we'd habitate mostly and then be able to set up experimental things and other structures on the surface that could create water. So you, know. you so you believe, you believe that, we're going to have to move to space someday. Do you think that that's an inevitability? Or will we blow I mean, up ourselves on the Earth first? Oh, so okay. this is well, either or. Uh, so, I believe we're going to kill the Earth. It's, I mean, way, way down the road. Like, I, it's not going to happen for, I don't know how long. Not a scientist, but I, the Earth is dying. Sure. We are killing it. Right. You know? Yes. And at some point... Polar if we can, ice caps are melting. If we continue at this rate, away. you know, I don't know that the Earth is going to die, but, you know, if you look back through the history of the world... When things get this far out of whack, the Earth resets itself. You go through an ice age. Sure. So it's going to kill all of us, and then it's going to reset, and it's going to be beautiful again. We'll let the next people figure it out. But, but you know, in order to, to survive that, we're going to have to we're going to have to bounce. We're going to have to go somewhere else. Right. If 
we're planning on surviving. You know, that's Elon Musk's whole whole thing with SpaceX is that's basically his view, which is, you know, if the human race wants to continue beyond the point where Earth becomes inhabitable, mm. then we're going to have to have somewhere else to go. Right. That, see, that's the, the I think that before the Earth kills us, we're going to kill ourselves. Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be a, another big, like, like, we haven't had a big plague in a while. We like, do. The, we need, we're due for a plague. We're due for like some, you know, crazy Zika virus that actually like makes your head explode instead of just making it like a little pinhead or something. <laughs> we, we're going to have, there's got to be like some really bad thing that happens like the, with, when the bees die or something like, or you, you maybe because the bees die and then they can't pollinate, it'll start a new sector where we'll have to, human wise, we'll have to pollinate every piece of food and It'll make us into Marxists because everyone will have to be farmers. Right. And uh, well, it's interesting you brought up the bees because the bee population is dying off. It's at an yeah. all-time low as far as we've been tracking it. And Albert Einstein said that if you want to know, if you want to track the health of the Earth, look at the bee population. Yeah, bees, bees and frogs. Frogs um, too. I didn't frogs, know that. because frogs, um, they, as amphibians, their skin is they breathe kind of through their skin yeah. too. They get all this stuff through their skin, and so with all the toxins, oh, that frogs makes sense. Die, 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 die. Frogs, lots of frogs, and because they're just they're such sensitive creatures because of they their, absorb it at a rate higher than people who just breathe right. through lungs. It's like their skin is a whole part of them that's more important. It's like our skin's like a barrier to keep things out. And there's and the there's, porous membrane, right, that, to like let things in. So. Frogs are dying. Bad, 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 bad. Um, terrible. And the, the bees. And they they wonder what the bee thinks. I really think the bees are because of the cell phones. I think yeah. that the waves of the cell phones and all of those waves, we, there's radiation. We know that our phones have radiation. Mm-hmm. But um, we don't know how much and we don't care. <laughs> I guess we just sleep with our phones and talk constantly on our phones, dying of cancer. But the, the waves that they emit and all that stuff bees are so sensitive I think they're just too hypersensitive and it does something to them and they can't like I can see how that would be disorienting I mean they've done studies about underwater sonar that the Navy uses and it has screwed up whale migration oh wow in places because whales are getting all these signals and they can't make sense of it but they also aren't aware that it's an external signal so they're just it's screwed up some migration patterns. Right. They think maybe they're like, like this crazy alien voices they can't hear. Maybe, like what, are, what could they possibly be saying? The whales are it's hearing like, in whale language. It's like, like the world's worst backseat driver. They're like, go left, go left. And it's like, I think I'm supposed to be going right, but I'll go left here. <laughs> Poor whales. All that stuff. We're dumping into the sea and the, do you know about the great Pacific patch? Do you believe in that? Do you know about that one? Is this the garbage patch the size of Texas? Yes. That, I, how do you not believe in it? They've died. It's, it's there. Yeah. You can't not believe. And it, oh, my it's favorite. It's not really is, an island, though. It's no, more it's like not. it's like four points. It's, it's like it's there's parts per million of things that are organic versus inorganic in the ocean. And in that particular area, it's like. Well, the people who are denying that we're polluting the earth that much say, well, show me a picture of it. And the truth is, most of it is two to three feet below the surface of the ocean. Because if you take a piece of plastic. And throw it in the ocean, like, sure, it floats on the waves when you first throw it in, but eventually, after time, it's almost neutrally buoyant, so it sinks a few feet, and so it's not sitting on the surface. It's not something you could walk on. Right, exactly. But it's a exactly. bunch of pieces of trash that are, sub, 
you know, sort of suspended a few feet below the surface of the ocean. And the reason it's in one patch is just because of ocean currents and it all like a toilet bowl. Yeah, look, yeah, you pulled a picture just, of it up on I the computer. I pulled a picture I mean, up and it's, but the, I mean, you can't walk on it, but it's the parts per million of inorganic to organic stuff. So it's, it's it a giant trash like, heap. It's a giant trash. It's a giant swirling trash heap. And a lot of people don't believe in that either. That I, how do you not believe in? I know. This is the thing that drives me crazy. When people say I don't believe in it, they can look. You can show them a picture of it. You can oh, show them a documentary on it. that's sad. This is there's an animal who's caught. I can't handle. That's a seal stuck in the garbage. I can't handle I that. Can't it makes me want to kill that. people who don't believe in it. Like seriously. Oh God. It's you know what? So if you bad. don't believe in it, why don't we take you on a boat out there, throw you in the middle of it where you won't be able to swim? Right. And then tell me you don't believe oh, in it. Oh, there's dead animals. It's so oh. Yeah, tell me you don't believe sad. in it while you're drowning. It's. I mean, but it's just. It's unbelievable to me that we're that that we're doing this to the ocean. You know, with all of the things going on in the world, and you know, my wife will tell you this, you know, I, we've gotten very like politically sensitive and my, the thing that drives me the craziest and the thing I'm, mo- it's hard to say most passionate about, especially now post-election with like everything going haywire. But I think the environment, if I, someone said pick a cause, mine would be the environment. Yeah. Because it, what worries me, you know, I have a son now, he's 19 months old. Oh, and wow. it's like, what it's am I, when he's 18 and he's like, Dad, did you ever see an elephant in real life? Oh, my God. I'm going to have to say, well, no, I only saw pictures, and I'm sorry, you'll never get to see one. You've never seen an extinct. elephant in real life? I mean, not in a zoo, yeah, but oh, like in not a zoo. out. No, I've never se- I've only seen one in a zoo. Yeah. I've never seen one, like, in zoos. And zoos habitat. depress me. I, you know, some of them are really good. Um, the San Diego Wild Animal Park is, is exceptional because... The San Diego Zoo is... The, and that's zoo. the San Diego Zoo itself. Some of their cat enclosures are a little too small for my liking. But the 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 one in Escondido, that's the San Diego Wild Animal Park. Like the lions on like eighty acres, right? And there's they've got this one hill that's super awesome, and and they've got a train that goes by, and they say, "How many goats do you think are on that hill?" And you're like looking up the hill, and you're like, oh, "I think I see like two, three goats." And they're like, "Look closer. There's a hundred and fifty goats on that hill." And you're like, "What?" And you can see, but they're all. It's like they create it's a huge huge park where you have to kind of go on this train that goes around because it's so massive and it gives the animals an opportunity to have it's not their enclosures are just enormous as opposed to i've been i went to a zoo in mexico and it was the most depressing thing i've ever seen i mean the zoo in here in san francisco i brought my son and i was like oh it's gonna be great but it's like underfunded clearly and just like you know, this is going to make me sound like a communist or something. Um, this will definitely like piss off the conspiracy theory kid if he's listening. If you are, fuck you, dude. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I feel like zoos are like a relic of this time in society's past where like man was king and it was it was almost it's very like imperialist in the sense that like we own the earth. Well, right. I feel like look what we've done with it, you know, and you can have I like the the San Diego Zoo I've I've been to when I was a kid. I have family in LA down south and like it's a beautiful zoo. I mean as far as zoos go, they don't get much better than that, but like there is no enclosure that's big enough for an elephant right. or a lion. Like it's just it's it's sad. And it's I understand their purpose, but at the same time do we really need to essentially like mildly torture animals? I mean, they look, right. I've never seen an animal in a zoo that looked super happy. They're always very docile. Right, right. And like, especially, and the thing that really gets me are the aquatic, like when you see the sea lion enclosure and they have like a pool that's smaller than the pools most people have in their yards. Right. And I'm like, that thing used to have 
the ocean. Right, 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 right. I love, I love the otters. So, see, I'm oh, such so a, cute. I'm such a jerk though, because I love to look at little animals and I'm like, we all do. I do too. And they like swimming around and they're like, and then I've seen them. Uh, the polar bears. I mean, I would never be able to see a polar bear in real life, but uh, maybe soon. I mean, there's only... no ice anymore. Maybe they'll accidentally swim down to Northern California. Right. I dressed up this year as for Halloween. I was a polar bear, uh, and I had a sign that said "Global warming is real." That's awesome. Costume. <laughs> That's had, a great costume. I just wore white puffy pants and a big white jacket and a polar bear mask, and people kept out, like, "What are you?" I'm like, "I'm a polar bear." Right. <laughs> I'm on vacation because you guys are ruining my house. Yeah. Global warming is well, real. Have you seen the pictures of that? I mean, the ice that they used to walk on is gone. They're swimming for like hundreds of miles now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the, just waiting so to hear the first. you believe in the environment. If you believed, you're like, if you were to choose it, a religious if, tenet, which we already said no. You know, it's like if bad. I became a celebrity, you know how they all have a cause? Right. I would be an environmental. I'd that be would like be your thing. The Leonardo DiCaprio of me. Right. He's big on the environment. Is he big on the environment? Yeah, that's like his thing. It's like he likes the Prius. <laughs> yeah, I drive a Prius. Do you? That's good. Only I, I, I decided uh, like 10 months ago, I started driving for Lyft. Oh, okay. So I bought a Prius mostly because... There's just no, it's economical. Sure it is. Can't make a lot of money for spending a lot on gas. It, Plus yeah. I feel good about not. Right. Not, I would have bought an electric car because it'd be great for a lift around the city. The problem is they're so expensive. Right. And they don't, until Chevy released the Volt, the only electric car you could buy on the market that would go 250 miles on a charge was a Tesla. And I was short about $120,000. Right, right, right. And you then know. with the new baby, you know. And really, with the new baby, yeah, there's not a lot of gonna. trunk space. <laughs> so um, how is that? Um, how is fatherhood and comedy? Do you find that you make more jokes that you have a lot more material or like how is well how is, how is i didn't all that? start doing comedy until i quit my last job okay which was right around the time my son was born i'd always been like an not never on stage amateur comedian sure um like a, probably most people but when i decided to really get up there and do it i my wife says i should do more stuff about having a kid it's interesting because a lot of comedians who have kids do it, and the re- the thing is, it's it's different for everyone, but in s- but also the same. Mm-hmm. Like I can, you know, you hear someone tell a story about their kid doing something crazy, and you're like, my kid hasn't done that thing, but it, I could see them doing it. It really maybe they will somehow. do it next week, right? Um, but I think more than anything, what have what father what I don't I hate saying what fatherhood has done for me because I'm definitely not like that guy like I don't refer to my this stage of my life as fatherhood it's like I refer sure. to this stage as I have a kid right right but what it's done for me is made me really want to really put a lot of effort into creating a life that I love mm. so that he sees that you can do that huh. and that's what's important you know isn't because I was working in real estate development which oh, had I followed boy. that path continuously like I mean the money, you make was the money was good yeah you yeah. know but you're also working 12 to 14 hour days and it's yeah. wildly stressful all Absolutely. the time. You're making deals. You got to trust people. You, you got to, there's all kinds. And of it's stuff. like, do you send your kid away to like there's a, a fancy boarding school, have ethics. a big house and all of that. And that's what your kid sees though. Is like, he's grows up seeing what's important is valuing money. Right. I don't know that they necessarily, I don't think kids understand the working hard aspect. They understand we have got a lot of stuff and other people don't. Right. Maybe they think, oh, my dad works hard. That's why we have it. But they value 
this is what and then they grow up in a world of other with their friends and their parents friends all value that and you know is that what's important right and there's and not also, a lot and you're not having a lot of time with them either so if you're not having that one-on-one time with them and that but you're getting things and stuff in replacement for like love and you know companionship with your dad right like what's better it's an ethical question and you know really. if i was passionate about if i loved what i was doing and it made me happy and so when i was not doing it i was happy about it and my son saw like oh he's so happy doing what he's doing then i mean there's a great confluence of events i'm right. passionate and happy doing something that makes a ton of money right i but I'm not happy doing something that makes a ton of money. I am happy doing comedy for free. Right, 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 right. <laughs> for yeah, now. Absolutely. You know? Sure. And that may change, but I, you know, I want him to just feel like he can do what makes him happy and that's what's important. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, well, it, it was, a lot it, of love and a lot of happiness. There's, I think that in re- big real estate development, it, there's there's ethical questions there. Oh, like especially in, in a place like San Francisco. Right. How much is it? Is you're trying to get more money out of them? Is it worth that much? Like, is it always get the most money you can? But then you're like, oh, you're dealing with actual people. No, it's always about get the most money you can. And frankly, the development that's going on in the city, what we were working on, was essentially it wasn't essentially what we were trying to do was displace people who lived in low-income neighborhoods uh-huh. and build micro unit buildings for mil- for tech millennials yeah uh-huh. so they could overpay for like n- next to no space right basically fucking everybody absolutely yeah. and i mean i just it you know i didn't even leave because i was like I've become it's become more morally objectionable to me what the company I worked for was was really trying to do since I've left but mostly when I was there I was just not happy I just didn't like going to work right right and that's no fun no fun no I used to be in corporate America and I uh I I had to get out and I when I finally left I said to them in a meeting I was like I I feel like I'm a corporate cog in a wheel of consumerism that that makes people I worked at Ethan Allen, so it was like we sold this lifestyle to people so that they could feel like they had a life that was better than their neighbors. And that's what I felt like we were selling was like, buy this furniture means that you're a better person. That's so funny. When I was a kid, there was an Ethan Allen, and I, re- I remember going there on a couple of occasions, like with my dad on the weekend to get a new chair or something. Yeah, they sell a lifestyle. You don't just get a chair. And I should say this because my mother-in-law said she was going to be listening. Um, <laughs> but she has discovered through the ancestry things that they are related to the Ethan Allen of historical. Well, and you know how and he rock, died? The- it's so great. Ethan Allen died because he was drunk and he fell off of a ice sled on a frozen lake and he hit his head and died. You're kidding. This is real. They're going to tell me maybe he like fell out of a barca lounger. And then that's no, it. he was on, he was on like a sled thing with horses going across an icy lake and he was wasted. He was on top of these things and he fell off and hit his head and died. That's like, one of the original American fail videos before they could yes. film things. It's nice to know that people did stupid things like that when they were drunk, yeah. even back then. I mean, because it's really dangerous. Is it horses? Let's go on a yeah. sled and you're like and across a frozen lake. Let's go fast. <laughs> Let's go faster. Yeah, danger. So you're related to Ethan Allen. Very nice. Well, I married into that family. Oh, I see. My, let's see. My, I, I don't know if you ever, as a, as a kid, or have seen a show called Mr. Wizard on television. Mr. Wizard. He had a science show. It was really big in the 50s and 60s, and then it went away, and then it came back in the 80s on Nickelodeon. Mr. Wizard. 
Uh, I only know Bill's guy, the science guy, Mr. Wizard. Well, I'm Mr. Wizard's familiar. grandson. I'm Bill Nye was at his funeral. You're Mr. Wizard's I got, grandson. I got drunk in front of Bill Nye. I got very drunk in front of Bill Nye. So at my he, grandfather's memorial service. That's oh, that's he, insane. That's my grandpa right there on the screen. And so you have a history with uh, performance. Look at this. Yeah. I remember this guy. Yeah, right? I remember it. You remember because that. Because... It was like, oh, hi, Susie. What are you doing today? Well, let's discuss yeah, inertia. Right, exactly. And he did this one thing with the... He did. He was the first time I saw when you put the two two liter bottles together and swirl it and it makes a... Oh, like... It, it makes a vortex. Vortex, yeah. I saw that. I remember he blew something up with um, like a hair dryer or something. He used, talked about the hot... That if you're blowing something up and you use hot air, it makes the something with the, you because breathe, you yeah. can do it much faster with a hairdryer. What? Uh, that's my grandfather. Wow, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and actually, it's funny. He, he was not a big fan of Bill Nye's, like outspokenly to us, because what he felt that Bill Nye did was dumb science down for children, where he tried to elevate children to meet the science. Like, if you watch right. a Mr. Wizard show, it's nothing like the science shows for kids nowadays, where they take the science and they dumb it down. He tried to elevate th the kids' thinking. Sure. Get them thinking like scientists, not right. take science and make, make it kiddie science. Sure, sure, sure. And so after he passed, the a couple days later in the LA Times, Bill Nye wrote a full-page editorial about my grandfather that was so beautiful that my family, they invited him to the memorial service and he gave a eulogy for my grandfather that was wow. like everyone was like in tears and then shortly thereafter is when I got shit-faced in front of Bill Nye <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell a story I got drunk with Bill Nye but upon reflection I realized no it was me yeah. I was a disaster and Bill Nye was like there in his bow tie just probably like Jesus Christ this, yeah. this is not a good moment for this wow. person <laughs> wow good times uh all right, we've got about 19 minutes left to talk about God and whatever else. God, what did in. you grow up? Did you grow up in a religious house? Yeah, very. I was uh, I was raised Presbyterian, but I went to a Christian school for nine years. So, um, and very, very. I drank the Jesus Kool Aid till I was 18. Uh, okay. till I, actually, till I was in college, and then I I did some acid for the first time and I saw God and I was like wow dude we're cool right and he's like yeah whatever don't worry about it <laughs> and I was like sweet I don't because all this stuff with the um, I had a falling out with the church because um, we all loved this pastor guy and he came to our church his name was Ron Lee Davis and he'd written all these books and he had three kids and a wife and everything was so perfect and he was so perfect and he'd talk on stage all the time and he was so perfect and then we found out that he was sleeping with everybody. So he wasn't just sleeping with everybody. He was giving one-on-one -on -one counseling to a oh. bunch of women in the church. And he was telling them that the only way to like absolve them of their sins was to have sex with him. So he was like... They believe that? I feel like people who are outside of the the sort of really culty religions, like Presbyterians, I can't imagine a woman, like a pastor saying this is how you absolve yourself and they're like okay like yeah. that's the kind of shit you see documentaries about you know like Jonestown right well four women came forward but I think there were way more that's than that wild. and they were all people who were married and they all had children and he had children and every week he'd stand up on the stage and talk about his family and his kids and all this bullshit and so after all that came out and I was like 17 18 years old I was like 
oh my god religion is a sham yeah like the whole thing because i was like singing to god and i i was just like i was part of the choir and i thought everything was great and i was you know really listening to these people and i just realized like wow humans are really flawed and we made up religion and we're just all it's all just it's all just a power thing so that people can use well, power you know, over one another like i was saying it's they're all religions in their at their core about being a good person and then i think the the corruption started when one person or a group of people realized that you could use it as a method of thought control and i don't right. mean i don't mean in like necessarily a sinister way but like they were like well you know this could help us out here and then the problem is you get you put someone in a position of authority like a pastor a priest a pope um a rabbi any position of authority where somehow they are more qualified than you to interpret the word of god or right. what you're supposed to believe or god speaks to you them you know it's or interesting god told me and i'm closer to god so you should listen when i learned about what Quakers were, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go to like some kind of Quaker mass. So I don't know if you know about Quakers Only or how they got their name. Only from six feet under. Only they, from six feet under. They so yeah, sit in that room they sit in a room, quietly. they rock back and forth and there is no priest or pastor. And it, when someone feels moved to speak, they, they get, they speak and then they go back to rocking and then whoever else, fe- it's a very democratized way of being spiritual. And I kind huh. of, I think that's great. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. I always thought Quakers were like more like the Amish. I guess I suppose they are, really. Well, in their dress. I think it was just their clothing looked very Amish. Because they had those weird bonnet bun head Yeah, I mean, the Amish, they have elders, but they don't have like priests or pastors. They have more of like, if you've lived longer, then you're more qualified, which I can kind of get behind that. You know, it's like... Everything except driving. I feel like the older you get, the less you should be able to drive. Well, they don't. That's the thing. Right. Well, they. But maybe they don't get. They can't operate the buggies once they get past like seventy. They're like, sorry, Gramps, you're just you're strictly passenger material now. Right now, now just the kids can drive the horses. I went to school in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is it's in the same general area of Pennsylvania where you don't have to drive far to you know see the Amish. Right. And it's 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 wild. It's like stepping back in time well there was that stupid show that they made that was there's two of them one of them was like the gangster amish um did you not hear about the gangster amish show is this is this a show where when they're all on their rumspringer like and that then, was a different one. Oh, okay but that was that's another one they did they I, tried to do a reality tv show where okay so amish the, mafia the, yeah, oh the, i think i've seen this yeah the it's amish, a comedy the Amish no it was a reality TV show Amish Mafia was an American reality television series I did series see this that and there's one guy who's like yeah Discovery he's, Channel but the he's series- like part he's not full on Amish which gives him the ability to it's hilarious it's like he's super natural it gives him the ability to like do business with non-Amish or something like he can use a cell phone right and then he's got one guy who's real hardcore Amish but he's the muscle yeah, he's, he's terrifying. He's like a character from like a Rob Zombie movie. He yeah, Alvin. Alvin yeah. Stolzfusch Lance is Levi's main assistant who's soft-spoken but has a loud Levi, that was his name. He has an arrest record for drunken disorderly conduct and fleeing police. Uh, Jolin Zimmerman was portrayed as a Mennonite and he can therefore accomplish certain tasks that yeah. the crew could not due to the restrictions that Amish people... I had so, a friend in college who was a Mennonite. His father was a Mennonite preacher, and he... I even guess he was a Mennonite. You would never know it because he was just a normal, average college freshman doing all the same dumb stuff we were. Uh, 
So there was there was another one where they followed him on their Rumspringer or whatever. That show I saw. I think I saw about two episodes. Breaking of each of these Amish. Series. Yeah. yeah. And there's Amish in the city. Oh, that one I don't. That that was the I one that about. was uh, in 2004. Five Amish teenagers experiencing their Rumspringer or whatever thingy. And uh, but, I mean, why? And that's the thing. Why are we so interested in the Amish? Because. They're so, it's so different now that what, I mean, everyone used to kind of be Amish, right? Everyone used to churn butter and not have, there wasn't, we didn't have the industrial, they're pre-industrial revolution, basically, I think right? it, I think it fascinates people that they've made a decision not to embrace the things that we consider, what, what the rest of our society considers to be advancements. They, right. they don't value the same way we do. And I think that's fascinating to us. Well, I think cell phones are the terrible. They're the devil. I mean, I, it's great to have access to telephones that are different now. Yeah, I mean, but it's they like won't you used to be able to... At all. I mean, they won't use telephones at all. No, you used to be able to go home from work. And if someone wanted to call you, they had to call your house and hopefully you were there. But then right. again, it was very easy to do the like, I'm not home. Right. But remember now had- they call your cell phone and you're basically on duty. And it, before you have a job, when it's just you and your friends and your family, you're, you're on that duty 24-7 because everyone expects you to be reachable. Right. And I hate that. I hate that too. And texting too. They're like, well, you didn't text back. And I'm like, God. Or that it's like your phone rings. You don't, you purposely don't answer. Then they text. And then 10 minutes later when you haven't responded to the text, the phone rings again. It's like, I'm doing something else. And it's like, dude, maybe I just don't want to. Right. And some, maybe I'm in the shower. Maybe I'm working. Maybe I'm writing. Maybe I'm, I mean, whatever I'm doing, I'm, I can't talk on the phone right now. And then, but all the, I mean, just all the access to, it's a tiny computer in your hands at this point. And I I don't have, I have a dumb phone. My, my phone doesn't um, connect to the internet because I don't want it to. Good for you. That means people don't constantly say like, just Google it to you because they know. Right. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I have to do it in specific, like I do it during the show or whatever, but I, I don't usually fact check enough, I guess fact check but my boyfriend has a real has one so if i need to know something i can ask him yeah when my grandfather once we all had smartphones he still has a flip phone i think and that's that's as good as it's going to get but once yeah. he he really got into googling things via us and our phones he because it's great to be able to have a question and get an answer immediately yeah so he'd look at my my sister i oh, google this for me google that and it was like oh my god this is more so annoying like <laughs> I'm going to throw my phone away because I'm sick and tired of being your Google. Uh, yeah, I can't handle that. I feel like just promise me that you won't let your child have a phone until they're... God, oh, I, I was just I talking... I see 10-year-olds now that are addicted to their phones. They won't even talk to you. They just like no, stare they just at their phone there. all the time. I just had this conversation with a, a Lyft passenger I had, and I was like, my first cell phone ever was, I think I was a senior in high school... My dad gave me his old StarTac flip phone when he got his new one. Wow. And I remember the instructions were, leave it turned off, turn it on only if you need help or so, or you need like something. It's got to be an emergency, relatively speaking. Right. Do not make other calls and don't even leave it turned on. Yeah, don't even Like it on. wasn't, like I think parents give their kids cell phones now because they're like, I want to be able to reach you. Right. But mine was not, it was like, look, you're you're doing your thing. Like I don't, need to reach you i assume that if you're in trouble you'll be aware enough to then you now you have a way to reach the world right as opposed to just like us finding out 48 hours later that you're dead on the side of the road exactly safety thing and now you're right i see kids that look way too young to have phones 
that have phones. They have phones. It's they have crazy. iPhones. They have they iPhones. Have like, they have phones that are yeah. They have, they're they're carrying around like a thousand dollar piece of equipment in their little dirty jam hands. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? So, and the thing is, they look at my phone now. The kids I nanny for, I hang out with a bunch of ten year olds right now, and they'll take it and they'll start doing their fingers like they're trying to make it bigger. And I'm like, no, my no, no son, it's not a touch screen. My it's just the one phone. thing I do like about the iPad and the iPhone is the FaceTime feature oh. because my family's all on the East Coast. Sure. So it's nice because we you can see them and speak to them. Right. But now it's funny when my son sees an iPhone or the iPad laying around, he will just, he'll point at it and he'll start saying the name of whichever grandparent he wants to call. Right. And so then we'll FaceTime them. And, but when he knows if he pushes the one button on it that it lights up right and he also has a grip on the fact that if he moves his finger on it it ha- there's a relation there right it's kind of scary how intuitive those things are right for Absolutely. for children I, I when i was i was hanging out with a young man named jude and he was like 18 months when we started hanging out and he knew how on his ipad to play the nap time songs he liked so like there was one of them that's like Wales and one of them he liked the rain one and so he knew on the iPad where that app was and he could open up and scroll between the sounds he liked oh and that's then, a good one though I wish I could teach my son how to put himself to sleep with play. whale sounds that would be great right and then and then he'd do the little the little uh, he'd do his own volume like and he usually liked it a little louder and I'd be like that's a little loud Jude uh, but turn it down and he was like oh okay it's nap time and he sort of knew about the iPad and I was like how can this baby know more about touchscreen technology than I I, I look at an iPad and I'm like uh, uh, yeah um, no I know what you mean my son Thomas he he's now he's realized because he's seen me do it you know where you can say like hey Siri and now we have the <gasps> Alexa the Amazon Echo uh-huh. and so he knows what the Echo is and he's seen my wife and I talk to it, so he will walk over to it. He says hi to it, but he also, when we need to, when we ask it something or tell it to play music, we're in the kitchen or so whatever, so we say it loudly. Yeah. So he goes over to it and he just starts like yelling at it. Oh, that's so funny. And on occasion, he has through his, you know, babbling, gotten it to light up and say something. So it's like a thing. He just occasionally he'll just walk over and give it a shot. Wow. It's, AI. It's That's wild. so funny. It's it's his interaction with the artificial intelligence, and and I wonder that kids now, when they're 19 months old or whatever, when those first AIs will come, and if it'll be like how we were with the, I mean, I didn't, you know, have um, a desktop computer until we were. I I think our first one was like I was in sixth grade, so it was 1986. That's the first green screen. Green screen. And the printer had the like scroll mm-hmm, paper, mm-hmm. right, with the double colors on yeah. it and the whole deal with the little the things. So that was our, and we were pretty advanced for a family to have a computer in 1986. Yeah, that's I think. really advanced. Yeah, and then, but that's what, and now it's like, can you imagine life without? you know a computer and all these kinds of things that we just use every day and I feel like that's going to be what happens in the future in like 20 years yeah. your son will be like god can you remember a time people will be having the conversation do you remember before robots like how did we live before robots kind of like how we do with the microwave how do we live before a microwave the, the, I asked my grandfather not long ago it, I was sitting there on my phone and he was like how much time do you spend staring at your phone and I was like ugh too much and I was like what would you have said to someone if if I walked up to you in the early 1950s and I said, hey, one day, like well before you die, 
people are going to be walking around with a telephone in their pocket the size of a cigarette box. And not only will it make phone calls, you will be able to get the answer to any question you want. And he looked at me, he was like, I would have just walked past you because you would have been a crazy person. Right, exactly. And, you know, so I wonder what that's going to be for, for our kids. Sure, sure. Like, what is... Uh, that's so crazy. Because even before my grandma lived... Well, she's she's dead and she's passed now, but there was no... T- she was born in 1920. There was no TVs. Yeah. I mean, they were just starting to get radios in every home, you know? like. Yeah, that generation... I know... They, you know, the whole, I know they say like, you know, the evolution of technology is exponential. It just goes more and more quickly because everything is standing on the shoulders of the technology before it. Sure. And, but I feel like when, you know, whatever it is, flying cars, this, I don't think if that happens in, in my lifetime or yours, like I don't, I wouldn't, I won't be as shocked, but the generation where they were born either before or right at the beginning of the automobile age. Sure. So, and so they saw cars in every driveway they saw man land on the moon whether they fucking believe it or not <laughs> then they saw computers right. then the internet right. then smartphones then now if they're still around they're learning that they're gonna they're making self-driving cars like right, that right. being in that window of time sure. must have been the single most mind-blowing time yeah in the history of humanity to have been around for that span sure i mean they went from you had to ride a horse to get to your neighbor's house to people are flying spaceships to the fucking moon. Right. And that quickly too, from like, you know, turn of the century to 19, you know, 68. Yeah. Not 69. That's not, it's not that far. That's crazy. And I don't know what the future is going to bring us, but I wish that with all of this movement in technology, we could be a little bit more open-minded about these terrible wars that we're causing that are based on religious things. Or we could be a little bit more honest about our consumption of, um, oil products that here's here's the thing let's see if you believe in this theory this is my theory but and I don't understand why it's not totally well known and people don't think about this so it took millions of years for the dinosaur bones to turn into oil mm-hmm. like they were part of the crust and then all this stuff happened and their carbon turned into oil that we can pump out and use for cars but right. when you pull the oil out of the earth they replace that with water so Duh, no matter, no wonder we've been having like tsunami issues and, and, and earthquakes and all kinds of, because when you pull all that stuff out of the earth and you replace it with water, there are different densities. Absolutely. And so the earth's crust is going to be moving. Absolutely. And then you've got underground nuclear testing of bombs and you don't think that that's going to cause some plate shifting and especially if it's anywhere near where these oil reserves were that are now filled with water. Like, is no one thinking about this? I just, I feel like we're pulling and we're pulling things out of the crust that took millions of years to get there and we're just willy-nilly spewing it into the air. Yeah. No, I agree. (laughs) Like... And you know, like you were saying about how like information should be affecting all of society. What I find to be one of the most, it's confusing in an intellectual sense, but then once you put it in the context of human beings, it's not surprising because we're capable of the most extreme levels of stupidity and ignorance. Yeah. But so never before has there been such a democratization of information. Everyone, the internet is the internet. Sure. You know? And... We should be able to understand each other. You could, right now, if I'm like, I wonder what those crazy Muslims think. Like, 
and yes, of course, I have to do a redneck accent. Yeah. Like I could Google it. Like I could easily find. I could easily. Here, well, let's Google what do crazy rednecks think. This like, but right now, I you know, Donald Trump gets up and he says, you know, Islamic Islam preaches violence. I could easily not. You know, I could find articles that say that they that it does. But you know what else I could do is, I could you know go read the Quran and find out that it doesn't. So in a time where more information is at people's fingertips and it should be drawing us closer together and to a greater point of understanding, yeah. we're getting more and more fractured because people are ignorant. They don't want the information. They it's a conf- they want confirmation bias. They want to believe that those people are bad and I am good. So they go places where they read that those people are bad and I am good. And they feel like they're doing their homework and they're not. This is the real quote that says the real... I put in what do crazy rednecks think? And it says the real shock of the 2016 election. Redneck culture is Arab culture, is black culture. And they're showing a picture. Oh, yeah. It's a great meme. Explain the difference. There's a woman... Oh my Amer- God. A white yeah. woman with the American flag and an enormous gun holding and a the Bible. Bible. And then right next to it, there's a Muslim woman in front of a big flag that's green with the Quran in her hand and a big gun. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, the and difference is the, the white girl on the left, she is a religious patriot who supports the Second Amendment, even though the Second Amendment doesn't say that and that's a whole different conversation you have to understand what a comma means but the woman on the right <laughs> the woman on the right is a crazy jihadi that's what right. they say but meanwhile the it's same. exactly the it's same exactly thing. the same uh so there we go and don't mess with texas it's the same thing guns we can have guns but they can't have guns yeah we have to have all the guns i don't i guns don't kill people babies with guns kill people like i don't know yeah <laughs> Uh-huh. And then there, you know, my favorite argument is, well, if everyone had a gun, the world would be a safer place. Seriously? Yeah, no. Then Seriously? you have a lot less toes. Like, you really think that if everyone had a gun, that means everyone's going to exercise better judgment? Right. I mean... Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, unfortunately... Well, that's maybe that's what needs to happen because we do have... Not that we have a total overpopulation problem, but we are sort of exploding. And maybe, maybe that's what we do. Maybe we've got that whole purge situation where it's like... Give everyone a gun. If you don't want to be, if you don't want to get killed, stay inside on that one day. We just got to, we got to do something with the population. We got to have a big gunfight. You know, gun control is a whole nother thing I could go off on. But I heard, I was reading this article recently um, that I was listening to NPR and then I read the article they talked about. And you know how like the Second Amendment people think that they, they love to portray the image that what they're protecting is a father's right to hand their hunting rifle down to their son. And you know what? You want to hand your hunting rifle down to your son because you live in Montana and you use it to hunt and eat? Great. You know, but what's the truth is that more than 50% of the guns that are owned in this country are owned by less than 5% of registered gun owners and they're called super collectors. Now, you're going to tell me that that's what the Second Amendment is there to protect. Is some guy's right to own 57 AR-15s in case the fucking zombie apocalypse happens? So I think that when we deal with amendments, we have to think about the... Now, it's, it's, it, I think of it this way in, in both sides. One, what is what was the original idea of the law? And then also... Well, let me. Things are different now, so we can't even think this, of the original idea because back then, black people weren't people and women weren't people. So already, the First Amendment's kind of like, well, who are people? Well, you know, the Second Amendment. Everyone thinks it's this big convoluted thing. I'll quote it for you, and it's very simple: a well-regulated militia, comma, necessary to the freedom of the state, comma, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. 
That's what it says verbatim. And if you understand punctuation and words, what it's saying is in the event, and this is this was written when we had a very small standing army and most of the people fighting post-revolution were militia because we didn't have, you know, it was- We didn't have like a there organized was, army No, yet. every town had their militia because we didn't have large-scale communication structures and all of that. So what it's saying is, in the event that you need a well-regulated militia, not a bunch of idiots in the woods in Michigan who spend their weekend shooting at soda fucking bottles. Right. In the event you need a well-regulated militia, the right to for of those people to be armed shall not be infringed. Right. And nowhere does it say anyone should be allowed to own a gun anywhere in the United States of America. See, now, I take the Second Amendment as... I think of the way what was happening at that time and what they were writing it for. And the problem was that they were going to fight the English and the English had been coming in and they could just like usurp their farm which, and all that kind of which stuff. I should add points to the first phrase of the Second Amendment, which says nothing about guns. The first phrase is there's a there's a phrase in there that says necessary to the freedom of the state. Nothing about recreational right. gunplay. So that's the whole thing is that the reason that we have the Second Amendment is so that we can rise up against our oppressors if that should ever happen. That is exactly what it was there for. Right. And so that's the thing, though, is that now the Second Amendment is completely moot because we can't rise up against our oppressors. Because if the government comes down against us, do we have are we all going to have like, um, you know, dirty bombs, suitcases like they have. Their technology and their warfare technology is so vastly beyond what, what a gun is at this point. I mean, they could come in with a, with a helicopter down this street right now and shoot whatever they want. They could, drones, the drones, if they could come, you know, knock, knock. Say who's there. Oh, who's there? Predator drone. Predator You're drone. You're done, done. You're dead. You never <laughs> open the door to a predator, predator drone. You're dead. So with all of the things that they have, tanks and gut the second amendment is pointless because we cannot rise up against our oppressor anytime if, if this happens if this whole class war that i think they're trying to push us toward i think this is, this is the last thing I'll, I'll leave with we'll talk about this for a second and then we'll play some pervert fervor but i think that what they're trying to do right now is create a huge divide because they've realized that with our ability to understand global economics and warfare and all that that we're not going to stand for these wars in other countries in, in Syria the people aren't going to let us keep doing this right? right let us occupy so what the war machine needs to do is they need to bring it to our soil they need to bring it to us so they're trying to start this class where they've they've so galvanized the the right and the left that we not that I I don't want to say I hate people that like Trump but I don't understand them because they don't think about anything that I'm thinking about like anybody saying I mean they polarized us on like LGBT issues and abortion and and all this stuff of this strange morality and I really think that they're doing this because they want to create another civil war the problem is during the first civil war all the industry was in the north so once we decided to go to war we cut off the gun supply to the south (laughs) now gun production is done in places where they think the second amendment means that you know their four-year-old should be able to carry his pistol to school because god forbid some boy who is a girl actually wants to use the girl's room right like he needs to defend his right to it does the whole thing. It, the whole thing. So that's the whole thing that's making me crazy is I'm I'm not I don't want to be like Nostradamus on this, but I'm sort of seeing the future of what I think. And this is another like potential conspiracy theory. Would anybody agree that they're trying to do this? Probably not. But I feel like they're 
that's going to be how the war machine comes to our soil is that the militia, that martial law is going to have to take over because, and that's where they're going to start making their money again with their war machine is in policing us. I agree. I think they're exacerbating it. But at the same time, you know, if you just look back on history, our country's we're very we're a baby as far as countries go. You know, look back yeah. through European history. All of those societies at some point destroyed themselves. There was a mass revolution, and then they kind of started over. Right. You know, France they they did fine with their you know rebuilding and their socialist tendencies. Well, it took them a long time. They had a, they watched us. They supported our revolution, and then they were like, "Hey, we should give that a shot." Right. Yeah. Well, I think we've um, almost solved all the world's, world's problems. I think so, too. Jason Herbert. This was a lot of fun. This was really great to meet you. So where do you usually do comedy? Are you an uh, Oakland kind of guy? I haven't been over there yet, but I've heard that the East Bay's got some seriously good stand-up open mics. I've been doing it at Brainwash primarily. Oh, okay. Right on. Well, you know, we have five open mics a week now here at, at Mutiny Radio. I've just recently learned all about Mutiny Radio. Yeah. I was sitting at, in a meeting and was bored and I was scrolling through Facebook when I saw your post and responded to it. Yes, yes you did. Which is great because I every six weeks I freak out and I'm like, I don't have any guests. I need guests. Yeah, so thank so you for I've responding. I learned great. more and more about Mutiny Radio. Yeah. And now that I am here, this place is amazing. Thank you. I feel like I have stepped back in time to the radical 60s in San Francisco. <laughs> and I don't mean that because it's decorated that way, but it's this little place in the mission. I'm sure everyone listening already knows that. But like, it just feels like real. Oh, that's like, so nice. It's an outpost of, you know, freedom of speech. Absolutely. And, and it's really cool. I met two people, four actually, those other two guys that came in. I met four people here. All of them said hello, introduced themselves. We had a great little conversation. Like, everyone's nice. Find yeah. that anywhere else in the city. <sighs> Find me people who I don't know who will walk up to me. And because we're the only two people in the room. Say hey, how are you? My name's so and so. What are you doing? What are you here for? Well, they're all they're all comedians. I think that comedians I assumed, are better that way. And everyone looked at me and said, "You're a comedian." Like if you're here, you're, you're a comedian. <laughs> also, if you're if you're free in the middle of the day, right? You're probably, probably a, comedian. a comedian. Yeah. Well, tonight starts the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, so it's going to be going all week. To those two I guys that came just in, just learned about that. Yeah. Um, a- Andy Picaro, he was the one with the curly hair. He's the headliner of the festival. Came all the way from Pennsylvania with his buddy. Uh, they're going to do some comedy here this week. And uh, George is also uh, going to be running the door on the festival. It starts tonight. So there's going to be, a, like, I'm looking out the window to, there's a little stage. So are the people are going to set up the chairs? Yeah. It's going to be an audience, but it's also going to be a live broadcast. Exactly. Very so cool. there's 30 chairs. Um, I, Jeez, I hope there's 30 people. But um, <laughs> there's 30 chairs, and um, we have little lights that we focus there. And everything is live streaming and then also podcast after so it's 25 shows in five days i basically usurped the whole schedule in march to do this because it's a five-week month so some people still have four podcasts so i don't feel like a jerk like taking away their time right (laughs) because they still they still have are there open mics during this festival is everything a booked Um, everything is everything's books it's six tonight it's six to eleven uh so the first of the fourth is six to eleven and sunday is five to ten but usually our open mics here are we had i had mine on monday monday six to eight is joke workshop tuesday eight to ten is um six sad open mic with valerie vernale uh adrian villanon and uh katie carnes wednesday which i'm usurping them tonight at eight o'clock is usually trish and dan face mortality or face oblivion Thursday no open mic Friday uh, happy hours from 6 to 8 
But this week, again, no, because of this. And then Saturday, we have an open mic from 4 to 6. That's run by James Mara and Austin Witherspoon. So five open mics a week, one booked show. Fridays, every 8 to 10 is booked. When do um, people usually come in and sign up for the open mics when you have them at night? Five, uh, well, they'll 5.45 or um, Fridays, I do a pre-sign online. Okay. But I make people do some internet tasks for me in order to... I know. I've read that. I've read through the... Yeah. And usually, like, that one week, everyone was like, fuck Pam. And I'm like, all right, fine. Don't do my tasks. I, re- I remember that post and you were like, like whatever. Fuck me. But Don't like, do You're like, everyone, you can have three minutes, but if you do this for me, you can have five. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. thought that was great. I'm, uh, I definitely I was. It did, was intimidating reading through those posts. I was a little nervous about coming in and meeting <laughs> you, but I have to say, totally unwarranted. Really? Totally unwarranted. You, you thought I was... What did you think I was going to be like? But am I don't I know. Too, am I too demanding? Like I'm crazy demanding. radio Nazi. I'm the... Yeah. I just... I feel like I, I try to make the open micers work. Only once a week, though. I don't make them work on my Monday show. I just let them come in. <laughs> Monday's really fun because it's joke workshop and you do four minutes and then you have four minutes of um, critique by your the audience. Oh, that's so great. So all the microphones are out and people like talk to you about your set and you can ask questions and it's like a... A guided workshop, so that, that Mondays is really great. fun. Yeah, I really like Mondays because people. I feel like people are learning and working on their craft, and people are bringing in new jokes, and um, everyone's really nice about it. Because I tell them, like, fucking be nice. Yeah, so, like we're all here to accomplish the same thing, which is to just get better at what we do. Right. Yeah. Don't and, be a dick. Yeah, heckling doesn't help, and not being nice doesn't help, and so we just try to be really helpful. So. That's I'm gonna have to start getting down here for some mics for sure. And you're you're local in the city. I am inner oh, sunset. Great. Oh, okay. Well, that's almost as far as Oakland. My it's God, almost as far as Oakland. But I have a car, so okay. like you found parking in this neighborhood. I got a spot on on the street, like half a block away. Holy crap! Drove around for 20 minutes to find it, but right. But and that that works out because today is Thursday, so you're not gonna get street sweeping ticket either. That's right. exciting. Well, Jason, this was a lot of fun. It was great to be here. And uh, we're going to play some Pervert Fervor next. He, the title of his track today is En Etendant de Bazière. This is no time for Modesto. I don't know what that means. My wife's family lives in Modesto. Uh, I don't. En Etendant de Bazière. I don't know what that means. But uh, thank you guys for listening to some Call Me Tim. And please, please, please come tonight to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Uh, six o'clock show is locals only. Then it's, it's just a great lineup tonight. Um, my favorite one is at nine o'clock. It's uh, Don't Shoot, I'm Not White. So that's going to be a fun one. All right. See you guys later.
Trump support I I think Trump supporters are funny to me, really. I don't think we should take them off the air all the time. Okay. Hold on, I'm in it. This is a this is a rap rap background. We're gonna rap to it. <laughs> we'll get a little bit beat. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass. You are, you lying piece of shit. What? Too cowardly to confront me in real life. You do it on Facebook. You're the biggest faggot ass in the world. Biggest uh, pussy, uh, pussy, uh, pussy. Uh, my dick is bigger than yours, which, what? which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are. Lying 